I am back with a bottle of Belgium's finest in hand. Hello and welcome to episode four of Paranormality. My name is Harry and with me, as always, is James. It's nice to have you back. Hello there. And we are doing a special episode today because we have a guest. We've got a guest. Mm-hmm. So Mike, Mike, I'd like to say hello, hello. and welcome hello. to the show. A guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? I, I, absolutely. So I'm Mike. I am the uh, host of the uh, UAP and Yorkshire Tea podcast. As you can probably tell, my accent differs ever so slightly from these two. So we've got a wonderful bit of Shopping. North and South working together. <laughs> Gravy and curry um, sauce. Yeah. Absolutely gravy and curry sauce. Wonderful. Um, I'm a recovering secondary school teacher with a uh, <laughs> an unhealthy obsession with UFOs, and I'm delighted to be here. You know, it's really good to have you. Uh, when we first started this journey, the well, the title is Bob Lazar. So the, the person that we wanted to speak about was Bob Lazar, and... Just prior to us recording, we were talking about the dynamic of the show. And James, prior to two weeks ago, had you ever heard that name? No, not at all. I thought it was like a, a laser tag owner. Uh, <laughs> I think Bob that, that's L- just Lazar such a West. perfect yeah. response because that's that's exactly the appeal, isn't it? He, he just sounds like the mad scientist from Independence Day, kind of crossed with yeah. James the nutter that puts a jet yeah. engine in the back of his Honda. Yeah. yeah. His, his, his name kind of sounds like bizarre, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. got everything that you want in, in your Lob archetype bizarre. of mad scientist story. Lob bizarre. Lob bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into the main crux of the show, thank you everybody for listening to us. Last week's episode is already our most listened to episode. Fantastic show. It, it's it's really, really enjoyable to sit down with James and to terrify him every week. It's oh, yeah. really fun. Uh, this episode is going to be a bit of a departure. Yeah, for me it's fun. This episode is going to be a bit of a departure from what we normally do, but I'm really excited for it. But if you do enjoy the show, we would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend, with a colleague, with someone who maybe isn't too aware of the phenomena and you think maybe getting to know some of the more famous cases first, so the Nimitz especially and yeah, the Albany uh, case. Spread yeah, that UAP love. Show it to someone who might be teetering on the fence of wanting to get into the, the subject. Um, because the, UAPs to the UAPs. Like, UAPs to oh, the UAPs, there you yeah. go. Send it to your nan. Um, so yeah, follow <laughs> us on, on Twitter. We are at PodNormality. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, which is just Paranormality Podcast. We're not on TikTok yet. We're not on Instagram because we're not hip and cool enough. And frankly, I don't have the time to do it. No. There's my first bleep of the episode. Um, so... Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Share it, follow us, do all of that stuff. We've also got merch, which is weird because I completely forgot that I did that. And we've also got a section. If you go to our Twitter page or you go to our link tree, it's linktr.ee slash paranormalitypodcast. You can ask, a, ask us a question. And we actually had a question come through via this sort of like method of communication, which was really cool. I wasn't expecting it. I put it on there, the Q&A section, just to sort of, think well maybe someone might come forward to us or someone might have a look at the show and want to ask us a question and we actually got one so we have had a question well not a question more of a comment uh from trey i'm so sorry about this 
Munyachan? Miyuna-chan? Trey Miyuna-chan. I'm really sorry if that's the wrong way to say your name. And they said that the USS Nimitz encounter is very similar to the Sao Paulo State 1986 encounter, where two separate radar installations spotted multiple objects. Will you be talking about that? Yes. Yes, I will. It's in my plans. Don't worry. Uh, So... That's sort of all the housekeeping wrapped up. James, do you want to jump into this then and talk about Lob Bazaar? Um, yeah, like I said, um, I didn't know about this guy until, what, last thing you told me we recording about Bob Lazar? Um, yeah, so, so 10 days ago. So, so 10 days ago. And I spent the day just, I'm guessing, watching the most popular side of the sort of um, coverage that he has of himself. So the yeah. Rogan podcast and that recent, I don't know how recent is that documentary they did about him. The Jeremy um, Corbell interview, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Ask um, you guys, what, what, what's your take on the Mickey Rourke commentary? Um, I laughed probably the entire way through. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I love Mickey Rourke, but he has the voice of a man that's been punched in the face all his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like it was like trying to gargle gravel or trying to talk about yeah. like yeah. I was. It kind of reminded me of watching um, Sin City without the fun parts. Like, the thing is, I, I love the story behind yeah. why he's the voice for it. So basically, yes. um, yeah. there was a recent Joe Rogan episode with uh, Jeremy Corbell, the director of that film, who was also in the Bob Lazar podcast with Rogan. Oh, is he the one with the and crazy he, eyes? Yes. And he yes. basically yeah, said that the he's, reason... he's the guy that looks like he should be on every MMA podcast that's ever been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's, yeah. His name? Jer- what's his name? Jeremy Corbyn? Corbell. Jer- Jeremy Corbell. Corbell. Jeremy Corbell. Okay. I, I know so, it was Corbyn. <laughs> He basically, yeah, he wants to make UAPs free for everybody. Um, <laughs> he, he he's kind of shooing nukes. He's just best yeah. friends of the IRA. <laughs> yeah, but, um, second bleep. So he basically said that the reason that Mickey Rourke is the voiceover for it is because it was like a week before the film was going to premiere and he just didn't have anyone to do the voiceover and he went to go and get a tattoo and Mickey Rourke was just there and he was like, do you want to voice over my UFO? documentary and mickey was like yeah of course i do i want i want to do the voice over the, of the ufos really sorry mickey rock please say, i'm guessing me. i'm guessing once yeah. he asked Sylvester stallone then he went on to <laughs> <laughs> mickey yeah. rock he, he'd obviously yeah. he'd obviously never had the delight of watching the wrestler no. that is a great movie i mean like, it, it is, is a good film. it should have given you the the clear indication that mickey rock should not ever be you know narrating a ufo documentary <laughs> So, James, your sort of like intro then to Lazar was 10 days ago, me saying the next episode is with Mike. Put your head in the book. Um, yeah, like I say, um, as, as we discussed before, it's always nice to go into these things with a relatively low, low knowledge of what I'm about to hear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. As, stuck... you really, as you really aptly put it last week, an empty head. <laughs> yeah, just an empty head. <laughs> you said I'm going to go, in, go into this empty headed. And I was like, okay, yeah, fair enough, James. Yeah. <laughs> what what better place to start when it comes to really like Big that. Bob? What else yeah. does open mind mean? <laughs> like, um... well, no, it's just normally it's like open minded or just empty minded. Just made me laugh. I don't know why. Um, so my sort of introduction to Lazar is about seven or eight years ago when I really started to like laser focus my interest into UAPs, and his name just came up everywhere. It's, it's the laser um, focus. The Lazar yeah, focus. The Lazar, Lazar focus. focus. So his name came up everywhere, and I watched sort of interviews with George Knapp, and I watched some of the original interviews of him on. Oh, is it WKLA TV? Yeah, I think I've watched that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, with George Knapp and Ben, I just sort of like got into like just the the mythos of this man. And then obviously he was on Rogan, and there was the documentary that came out, and it it just it piqued my curiosity enough to then make me look further into it. Um, which we'll talk about once you've sort of like cr- chronologically gone through his sort of like rise to infamy as such. Um, but what about yourself, Mike? Where did your sort of like fascination with him begin? To me, I mean, the first thing that I ever ever saw when it came to ufology was on Channel 4, kind of 1989-ish. And I just remember, and it, it will never ever leave me, this blacked out guy speaking as Bob because he's, he's fairly... Yeah unmistakable he's he's got that kind of voice and he's under this pseudonym of dennis and he's he's coming from some kind of japanese tv station and he's literally just telling the most magnificent tale of all to me anyway this is just the most magnificent tale of all time he's he's giving these details about working at this this secret base called s4 which is a kind of sub district of area 51 He's, he's worked with overlooking nine. Papoose Lake. Papoose Lake, yeah, which is which is um, the hangars are kind of like hidden and drilled into the to the rock bed, and it, it's just got all the elements of the greatest story of of all time, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, it, it just picked my interest straight away, and I'm like, I just need to know what this guy is about. Who is he? What's his story? Yeah. And and that's that's I think I'm what we're at nineteen eighty nine, so I'd have been six, seven ish. Um I'm a bit older than you guys. Um and I I just could not get it out of my head. Obviously six, seven, your imagination's running wild anyway with most things in life, but this just really, really struck a chord and it just got me into it. So and he then, was so Bob Lazar was literally like your introduction into he UFO is my, and UAP. He is. Now a lot of people will say, you know, Roswell, Corona, and you know what? Everybody's got their own story. But to me, it, it was always Lazar. Just, just fascinating in every way. All and roads lead to Lazar. Absolutely, say, and and yeah. away from Lazar, unfortunately, in in, <laughs> in a lot of ways as well. Um, so he is he's a contentious person to speak about. Contentious is definitely, definitely the word. I mean, it's why um, I wanted to bring the subject up early into us recording, yeah, yeah, starting this podcast is because he, like, we've got Nimitz, we've got Alderney, we're gonna do Betty and Barney Hill, but I needed to get Lazar sort of in our repertoire straight away. Absolutely, definitely, he definitely belongs in that box of of infamy, doesn't he? When it comes to ufology. One hundred percent. Now, James, are you aware of any of the controversy that surrounds Bob Lazar and his claims at all? Just like I said, from what I watched today, um, yeah, yeah, it does seem to be. It's gone on for what, like nineteen eighty nine. So, how long that was? Thirty ago? years. Yeah, yeah, and it does seem he seems reluctant, but also happy to talk about it at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I get I a know lot exactly of, what you mean. I get, a, from what, like I said, I know minimal, like empty-headed. I know um, <laughs> minimal about it, but from what I've watched, he seems convinced that it's happened, which is great, you know, that's his opinion and stuff. But for a man that wants to be hidden, he's not doing it very well. It's an uh, odd. <laughs> his entire existence is just one huge contradiction. Yeah, and like you said, that interview with the in the back of the van, he called himself Dennis. Didn't wasn't that the name of the supervisor at the place that he worked, the S four? Uh, Dennis was his handler. 
Barry was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I. Uh, Barry was his uh, his kind of lab partner. Dennis yeah. is the kind of tough, kind of stereotypical Tom DeLonge esque kind of military guy who, who handles yeah. him and never allows yeah, him. He walks into the laboratory like, "Where are you?" Yeah, um, that's um, it. That's the one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was wondering. I just I went. I, I that clicked up. I was like, "Did he do that on purpose?" Do you think he did? Like a... he, he admits it in his in his autobiography. Oh, okay. he yeah, that, oh, says um, it's, it's a Dennis. little bit of yeah. Yeah. That's it. I would say then that voice would have been so much more appropriate as well. I would <laughs> oh, say that that's, <laughs> that's a good that's as good a place as any then to start because you've you you are a self confessed Lazar lover. Like you, you I'm not sure you that love the story. Love I just love the the, the story of it. Yeah, behind Lazar. and that's so, what it is to me. So for this is going to sound daft, but for people that aren't too aware of the Bob Lazar story, why don't you take us back to the beginning? back to S4, the start of his journey, and then just take us through where he's gone, what he said, and what's gone on since then up to like, even modern day, because Jeremy Corbell yeah. showed a video a few weeks ago that that we will obviously talk about um, as we come nearer to the end of the show. But sort of like, where does his story start then? Well, to me, his, his entire story is, is like something that you would just read in some kind of, you know, bizarre fiction science fiction novel the typical kind of mad scientist kid growing up he's born 1959 in california coral gables he's he's a bit of a geeky kid and that kind of transfers into adulthood by the time he's he's in his early 20s he's driving around in this jet powered honda that's that's getting him a fair bit of notoriety now where it all starts getting a little bit almost mythological is is how he gets the job in the first instance now so, what job is this is this the job at s4 then that you mean this before he gets the job at s4 um he 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 gets a job at los alamos los alamos as as a as a particle physicist but okay. it's it's the story behind that that I, you just can't not love um so edward teller father of the atom bomb is giving a lecture Bob goes along to the lecture, and obviously this guy's like, despite the fact he's created like weapons that have just killed hundreds of thousands of people, Bob puts him on this incredible pedestal, and he comes out of the lecture, and guess who's reading a newspaper with a picture of Bob and his jet-powered car on the front? <laughs> it's Edward Teller. Now, Bob, being the opportunist that he is, and if you've ever gone into his, his financial background, which I have, um, and by the way, that's available to anyone who wants to, to view it online, his, his financial history is, let's just say it's a little bit of a sticky wicket for Bob. So I do, I'm sorry, I do have that Reddit page that you sent me, Harry, up of... Bob Lazar's story about thousands, hundreds of thousands of debts. To people yeah, <laughs> mostly, mostly his parents. He, he, owes, yeah. he owed his mum and poor mother and father an absolute fortune um seems to like cars but buys buys lots lots of cars and defaults on lots of cars um yeah his his financial background is a bit shady to to say the least but back to teller so teller is is outside and and bob thinks wow he's reading a newspaper and i'm on the front so it's kind of like one of them teller's reading the newspaper bob's kind of peeking over the top as if to say look it's me. I'm that picture. That's Guess me. Who? Yeah, it's me, Edward. Uh, gets on first name terms. You know, they 
puts himself forward and he actually says to Teller, you know, that's that's me. That is me on the front. You know, I'm Bob Lazar. I'm a physicist at Los Alamos Lab. Um, give me a job. So Teller says, yeah, do you know what? I'll hook you up, Bob. So then Bob obviously does does the logical thing and begins a photo printing company. As you do. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, there's a natural step from one, hydrogen bombs. Yeah, yeah. 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 So one 12... thing that I do, I do just want to jump in. Just one thing Go I want it. to say is that a lot of people talk about his story and when they mention sort of that meeting and that, that give me a job, okay, yeah, I'll hook you up. A lot of people write that off because, well, that's not how people get jobs. But I've had job offers before from just conversations with people and it does, it, it was something that happened a lot in the 70s and the 80s was people were given jobs just on the basis of like first like being on first name basis with people because contract law was very different 30 or 40 years ago so i did just want to like cut in yeah no linkedin either no linkedin yeah it's not obviously that was that is a point that people sort of point at and say you're never just going to be given a job because someone recognizes you from the paper but contract law and how employment worked 30 or 40 years ago massively different so that is something that i do believe could happen I like to think that's just like, oh, my uncle owns a fishmonger. Like, he's got a Saturday job going, you know, rather than <laughs> yeah. working for the hydrogen bomb guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what, what I loved about the story is just the fact that he's reading and there's a picture of Bob on the paper and Bob's like, yeah. this, is, this is my chance. It's just, so, it's, it's just wonderful. Like, what a story. It just could not be any more perfect. And then for him to just go, right, okay, it's time to set up my, you know, <laughs> photography business. And 12 months later, he's bored and thinks, do you know what? I really, really fancy working back with the science community. I'll give I'll give Ed a ring, see what's going on. Naturally, Ed's just like, yeah, I remember you. Honda You're that guy. nutter with a jet engine in a Honda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remembers the haircut, remembers the glasses, and he's like, yeah, you're in. You're in. And, yeah, and it, no one had brown hair and glasses back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very unique look. Very unique. Not, not Bob Lazar, brown hair and glasses. There is only, <laughs> there is only one Bob Lazar. I'm yeah, sorry. Next time I get to a barber's, give me the Bob Lazar, please. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> do you know what? I'd pay for you to do that. <laughs> I ain't ruining my purple Mohican. Do you know what? In, in 1989, I, I, think, I think I had the Bob Lazar and glasses look. Just by accident. Just purely. <laughs> or maybe Deirdre Barlow, I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, so so it, it kind of moves on from there. He's he's brought into this this special access program and he meets he meets Dennis. Um, Dennis. Dennis. Now Dennis. you must have heard of the, the, the secret you know, the secret flights that, that leave from Los Angeles. Um, yeah, we, we spoke about that last week. Are they called Jane flights? Jane's, Is that what yeah, they're called? The J- it's, it's Janet's is it Janet's? There's, it's some, Janet flights. Janet yeah. flights. So yeah, all the employees from Area 51 are apparently packed on a Janet flight and and then flown out and then they get off. And he describes in again such wonderful detail getting getting off the plane at Area 51, being bundled into a blacked out school bus, which again you know it just perpetuates every wonderful element of this story. Is blindfolded stuck on a blacked out bus and he's he's driven to this secret facility where he's he's just kind of thrown a couple of packs of briefing papers and told read these take your time digest what we're telling you and and that's it kind of does tie in a little bit to the to the barney and betty hill because obviously it's it's back to the zetas 
Yeah, Zeta Reticuli is mentioned, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and and they're controlling interest in humanity from I think he, he quotes ten thousand years plus. Um, yeah. he's he's shown body, you know, body parts, um, autopsy pictures, uh, and he's given a, a kind of breakdown of their kind of controlling interest in us and the fact that they've manipulated human DNA. It, it's it's the traditional grey story, the traditional grey backstory. Um, which which has obviously been around for for a long, long, long time. So obviously his mind's a little bit blown, and and then he's he's taken to meet his lab partner Barry, and they have this brilliant, brilliant conversation about why Bob's there. Because Bob's kind of like at this stage, well, the you know people are more qualified than me. What what am I doing here? And Barry's just like, yeah, yeah, you're replacing the guy who who were who were blown up messing about with them, um, trying to cut into one of the reactors. So Bob's like. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the yeah. job. Here's your hard hat. Right, yeah. yeah. So basically, in a nutshell, he, he regales him this story of they've, they've used some kind of um, laser cutter. They, they've tried to, to cut into one of these reactors from one of the ships, and there's been some huge nuclear-sized explosion, and several scientists are, are just vaporized, and Bob's come in at short notice to offer a different perspective and that's what i love about it this this huge organization who apparently know nothing about vetting employees because <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the thing about bob like his background and and, and his credit this is another area i mean i am not in any way shape or form dismissing bob's story because my conclusion is that i'm just not sure and and, and it, i, I kind of find myself varying as to whether I absolutely 100% believe it or think it's just the worst story in the world. But Stanton Friedman, you'll, you'll know Stanton Friedman, yes. you know, basically a god in the world of ufology. Unfortunately, not with us anymore. He made a really, really big effort to, to look into Bob's background and the credentials was a massive, massive problem because he basically said that he got a master's from Caltech, which is it's kind of like on the it's kind of like a red brick style universities in the UK. Um, master's in electronics and and he's got a degree in in advanced physics and and none of this is ever checked out, which is a problem. Obviously, when you rock up at probably the most secure military installation in the world and you are asked to work on otherworldly technology and you can't even prove that you've got a degree it does become a little bit problematic and and stanton to be fair to him did a, a really really good job in researching bob's background now it's george knapp again you're not going to find many more people credible in the world world of journalism absolutely backs bob on everything and, and basically says a little bit like you were saying Harry, you know but we, we're going back 30 years these checking systems aren't quite as rigorous as what they are now and and george has taken jeremy corbell's is always and has always been well you know sometimes people fudge the backgrounds to to get the job and it's like yeah but not really when you working on tech that's yeah it's it's a big difference between like i've put on a cv before that i had like gcse a maths instead of gcse b maths like obviously an employer is not going to ask to see your gcse certificates there's a big uh, difference it, between that absolutely yeah. yeah and then a master's degree from one of Caltech. the highest mm -hmm. from one of the highest institute institutes technological institutes in america when there's no record of that 
that and also that, applying for a job at Area Fifty One, like you said, the, the the most secure, pretty much place on the planet, and they're not going to go. I trust your word of you know. I'm going to trust the word of this guy with a great haircut. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's the just, thing is though. One thing to remember, it, it kind of stinks at the moment. If I'm honest, one one thing like, to remember though, James, is that Bob Lazar made Area Fifty One famous. So before this, before this, Area Fifty One wasn't a thing. It wasn't a big deal. So it's not like going there now and getting a job. It very much was just seen as a military facility. Like, oh, it, it I, I, thought, I thought you were being sarcastic. This is actually like, no, genuinely. He, oh, Bob, okay. Yeah, Bob Lazar he, is the he puts reason it on the map. Yeah, Bob Lazar is the reason that Area 51 had 100,000 people show up, Naruto running at it. Like, he's <laughs> the reason that all of pop culture now for the last 30 years is obsessed with this site. Yeah. Because and now of I, him. Now I see why his infamy's there. Like, yeah, so so yes, it would be ridiculous to think that some guy could just walk into a military facility, but it's not Area 51 as we know it today. There yeah. are, like, even in the UK, there are dozens of military facilities that are top secret that are kept behind lock and key. There's a military facility on Dartmoor, where we live, that had active nuclear weapons in the 80s. Anyone could have applied for a job there because mm. it was just a government facility. So I, I, I don't think that it needs to be written off straight away that he wouldn't have got a job there because it's Area 51. Because, yeah, it was Area 51, but that wasn't a yeah. big deal then. Like, no, it just I didn't realise that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a big mm. deal. It was just another... That It's the 51 area. There's there's yeah. 50 other ones. It, it is literally know? just 51 on a on a map. It's just it's literally an, an area code. It's a, yeah. it's a square of land that is part of a... Just there a normal sequence of numbers. There are thousands of these places all across America that have dozens and hundreds of people working at them. And Area 51 is just the one that we know of because yeah. of Bob Lazar. So yeah, he could have possibly got a job there as yeah. an engineer or a technician by sort of like fudging a document or saying that he knew someone he didn't or making friends with someone who was quite well in there. That shouldn't be written off because of the infamy that we Absolutely. have of Area 51 now. No, and because enough, that's yeah. why we have the infamy. And again, it, so it's it adds me, another layer. It does. That, that's the beauty of Bob. And I said before, I think I said in other episodes, normally when the government sort of like start putting barriers and like, you know, redacting stuff or putting extra security there's something there they don't want us to see yeah so it, 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 i think i said that it gives sort of power to that story the uh and we do know that he worked there yeah. we do know that he worked at that facility because i'm sure you'll come on to it in a minute mike but there is evidence that he worked there if, whether you believe the evidence or not well there is things to say it's 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 evidence that's continuing to resurface over time and, and this no matter how sarcastic you can be about bob you can never ever truly write him off ever yeah there's always um, an, whenever his story gets put down there's always another little bit of information that will come out and that's yeah. what's happened recently that's what's happened uh, recently but bob's story is... resurfaces every kind of it, it's kind of chewed up every four or five years when there's something just a, a different element. I mean, did you yeah. on the Corbell document when documentary when when you brought in the hand scanner? Yeah. yeah. Now, badly done, by the way. Terribly done. Because because Corbell kind of brought it in as though Bob wasn't expecting it. He quite clearly was. And then you got the. I haven't seen one. I can't believe and 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 like so much. Seen of that one of these since. Yeah. I haven't seen one of these since. I, these since. <laughs> I never thought I'd see this again. Yeah. <laughs> I think is the line. Yeah. However, well, the thing is, is he he has seen that before because it yeah. was in um it was in a film like it was. In, in the seventies. 
So he, uh, was, he it in, was it Close Encounters? It was Close Encounters. It was in Close Encounters. Yeah. That exact model <laughs> was in Close Encounters. They were yeah. very well known. But how was he to know that they were used at that facility? Yeah, that's fair. That's enough. the thing. That's fair enough. Yeah. So there is. There's a few little pointers. He's got a W two form, so a tax form that states that he was an he employee does, of and the, he has uh, a, a variant of um, a, a a clearance badge that yeah. he, he used to access the facility. Um, and actually, there's there's been something on Twitter this last kind of couple of weeks, and I'm trying to remember. Is it the video this? that Jeremy Corbell shared? It's where... it's it's someone else who is talking. Oh, do you know what I've remembered? It's um, it's someone that stormed Papoose Lake, isn't it? No, no, no. It's um, the this Richard Doty. Oh, that's who do, it is. Do you know yeah. that the background? I mean, Richard Doty. Is, if you're ever going to do another episode on, we on, will do a Richard Doty. Wow, episode. I would, that I would snake. love to guest on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> ah, uh, there's words that I would definitely have to bleep out. Oh if we God, talk yeah, about him Paul now. Benowitz and and Richard Doty. Wow, what a, what a story that is. That's another. Yeah. I mean, that's another time. However, he has come online recently and said that he, he's got definitive proof that Bob Lazar worked at Area 51. Show it. Um, <laughs> Show the proof. <laughs> yeah, I'm not not quite sure. I'd I, I, I wouldn't let Picture Richard Doty. Yeah, I would never let. I'd not let Richard Doty look after me goldfish. Never mind. Give me proof about definitive no. proof about Bob Lazar and Area 51. However. There we'll are talk people. about Doty afterwards, James, yeah. by the way. Thank you. <laughs> there are people who, who give Doty credibility. But to me, <sighs> again... He's burnt his bridges, unfortunately. He's very slippery. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I thought that recently something came out that someone had been to Papoose Lake and had verified yeah, the claims yeah. of the bunkers as well. So there is a mixture of sort of like proofs and evidence. So he's got his W-2 form that shows that he was part of the, I think... People complain about it because the wording of it was slightly different. It's yeah. like he's from the, the Office of Naval Intelligence. Yes, but it should there is, be about the ambiguity the, of the wording. Mm. Yeah, but they're saying that it should be the Naval of Intelligence. Of National Security or National... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, but then there is evidence to say that there was a Naval Intelligence office. So mm-hmm. he's got a, a basically a P, P60 to yeah. say that he worked yeah. at S2 Area 51 facility. He's got the, the ID badge. He's got the description of the hand scanners being used. His name did actually show up in a call, um, in a in a like a yellow phone pages, book. Yep. in a phone book. Um, it mm-hmm. did have a tag next to it to say that he was there as a subcontractor. Yes, apparently he was a subcontractor for a company called EGNG, I believe. Yes, it was. Yeah, so um, it did have a code next to it to say that he was there as a subcontractor. But still, that, I've that seen a lot of people that argue he was that there. that could mean he could be. The janitor, but I mean, if you're the janitor at Area 51, still there. that does not mean that you're not going to see, you know, miraculous, wonderful <laughs> yeah. things. He just might have seen it as a janitor rather than a yeah. physicist. He was there to clean up Barry's mate. Yes, yes. and Barry, then to be fair, then... if you've read the autobiography, Barry does sound like the kind of guy who kind of needs his own cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> He's an interesting guy. But yeah, th- th- there is these little crumbs that appear every few years so first Absolutely, he came out yeah. and said i worked at area 51 everyone ridiculed it and then he came out with the w2 form because he had to he got busted for running a brothel basically james <laughs> i no, no, no. I, I read that i read that down don't worry um yeah. and yeah, he, yeah. he had to show he had to show evidence of former employers i do but i do believe i wrote i wrote down bob tried to be a pimp um yeah yes. Did you know and, and he and he he would have absolutely pulled it off because he's Bob Lazar. He could have put the hat on and, and yeah. I still kind of believed his story about UFOs. Lazar's um, lasses. I get it. Yeah. Wow. That would have been the 
best name. But yeah, he. <laughs> the thing, the thing with Lazar's story is that, like you say, every few years something else will come out. It so at first, he, at first he went to George Knapp and told his story, and people didn't believe it. And then he took a few lie detectors personally. Lie detectors don't do it for me. They're easy to. They're easy to escape. They're not yeah, trustworthy. They're not that, it's why they're. they're not they're proven to be quite faulty. And, you know, the one thing about Bob that you can say is no one can ever debate that he's not a clever guy. Yeah. And also, if you believe a story, a lie detector will say that you're telling the truth, regardless and... of this, if it's true or not. Yeah. But that was my only thing of... Uh, well, so many things. The thing I watched of uh, Bob today was if you question his intelligence, it's automatic defences. He gets insulted and he's quite smug and arrogant about his intelligence and... Like they said, there's no dispute. He is an intelligent man, but every time someone tried to question it, he came across as quite, you know, not aggressive. But there's always been like, an argument that that Bob would never agree to a debate with a an equal scientist, and yes. I've never seen Bob argue science. I've heard him talk science, but never debate Arguing, science. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that we will come on to it because obviously there's still more of the story. Um, but there is a science related thing that for me does raise a lot of questions um but like like you say he, he's working at area 51 he's working at papoose and, and s4 and he meets barry and he works on a craft so yeah. where does his story go from there then mike well he he describes how one day he's he's taken through the hangars on this one particular day the hangar doors were open and he sees nine craft um yeah. he describes some as one called the jelly the sport model um, and he actually touches one because it's got an American flag attached to it. It's got the emblem yeah. on, and he's is very quickly kind of basically threatened and told, "Do not do that again, or you'll die." Um, <laughs> You're just so, a janitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, janitors do not touch craft. You clean so, floor, you don't <laughs> touch craft. <laughs> so he's mopping away with Barry back in the lab, um, and. He, he describes in in, and I'm sure I'm sure that the science. I mean, I, I'm not sure. My, my science is probably, you know, maybe maybe a, a B slash I C G C S E kind I'm, of. I'm standards. quite sciencey. I like yeah. my science. I mean, the the science is is contentious, and I mean, I'm sure uh-huh. you'll. I'm thinking that the point that you were referring to would probably be the element one element five and where it fits yeah. in terms like Nuvo, of Nuvo, whatever it's like Nuvo, yeah yeah, something yeah. so I, I I'll tell you what I'll talk about element one fifteen then very quickly so Bob Lazar basically says that he's working on it's the sport model that he's working on was that the one that he was working on it uh, um, no, I'm not sure it is actually I think he said he saw one that looked kind of like sleek and smooth oh and that was sport model to. yes. I'm not yeah, sure. No right I angles, I believe yeah, you said. No right angles. So so here's my issue with Bob the scientist. So he says that the way in which these craft work is through anti-gravity, which is totally, mm-hmm. it is theoretically a possibility because space and time are, they're not a constant. It's more of a mesh and a field. Yeah, they're interesting. And if you can interact with those, mm-hmm. you know, you think of space as a big rubber sheet stretched out and you put planets and stars in and it stretches the rubber. So if you can manipulate the the fabric of space in front of you, it's how I think the tic tac moves. Is it, it creates something yeah, yeah, yeah. gravity well, which doesn't affect its inertia. It affects the gravity in front of it, and that's how these things move fast. And that is theoretical science that could work given enough energy to be produced to create these gravity wells. It's it's insane 
yeah. energy that you need to pull off this. It's something like 10 to the 15 or something ridiculous. It is ridi- um, yeah, absolutely. It's obscene amounts of energy that you can't even get through nuclear fission. Um, it's just it's just obscene. And the way that he says that it works is that there was a, a, a sphere in the middle and as you put your hand towards it, it felt like it was pushing away. Almost kind as of if, like magnetism, yeah. Yeah, almost as if like diapodes of a, of a magnet that you're trying to put together. Um, and he described it very much as you're, you're put, the harder you push, the, the further your arms go away, which it, it was made by this thing called Element 115. Now, he says yeah. that he has some 115, never showed it, apart from a very quick smoky video. He's got some of this 115 hidden somewhere. Um, and George Knapp has a video of it. in the back garden, yeah. Yeah, George Knapp has a video of it somewhere that he can't remember where it is. And the... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, one of the most important videos to own. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember yeah. what it is. Yeah. And this, this is technology that would literally change humanity overnight. Yeah. Um, so it's a Snapchat. Yeah, yeah th- this yeah. is literally... It's untapped, unrestricted, renewable energy. Oh, it's, it's absolutely energy. zero, you know... That there is yeah. there is no waste to this whatsoever. Yeah. It is literally one hundred percent efficient energy. Yeah, and so the way that he describes it is it's something called element one fifteen, and it, it was a, an unknown element according to Bob that nobody knew existed. But which at he... the time was was true. No, that's the thing. It wasn't true. So if he even had a very basic knowledge of chemistry. He would know how the periodic table of elements works. And the periodic table of elements doesn't work as if you find something, you put it there. It is very predictable. So you know where things will be. You know where uranium and germanium will be. You know where mendelevium will be. You know where these elements are because of their, their proton configuration and the amount of electrons that they have. So you look at an element that is, say, 15, you know that that will have 15 um, forgive me if I'm wrong, 15 electrons, and you know exactly the chemical composition of that element. Element 115 just means it has 115 electrons circling the nucleus, which we always knew would be a thing. It was yeah, never in yeah. doubt that element 115 would exist. The problem is, is that we just don't have any here. There's lots of theoretical elements that we don't have here, so we have to make them in particle accelerators, mm-hmm. somewhere like CERN in Switzerland, which is a giant particle accelerator that is firing individual protons at each other in high-velocity impacts using the most powerful magnets in the world literally to launch individual, not even atoms, protons at each other at almost the speed of light. And by doing that, scientists in Germany were able to create element 115 for a microsecond before it decayed. It, it's, yeah. it's, its decay half-life is so small that it physically can't exist for longer yeah. than a millisecond. Bob Lazar just says he has this somewhere in his house and he can't remember where it is. And his explanation was just quite simply, oh, well, it, it must have it's come alien. from a, a binary star system where heavy but, elements exist. Which... That, that is my problem with element 115, is we, we knew it existed, we knew it was a thing, but we just couldn't make it. And so there'll be an element 117, and there'll be an element 123. Yep, 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 yep. And, and if he... And my my frustration with Bob is he's a very smart person. He is. He put a bloody jet engine on the back of a Honda, but that doesn't mean he's a scientist. Well, and basic science, basic science is the periodic table. That's the very basics of chemistry. It's well, the fact day one that as non physicists we're having this conversation, and it's the level of science that well actually above the level of science that that bob appears able to 
discuss with any credibility. Yeah, and I this is just I'm I'm a backyard scientist. I've learned all this stuff since I've left school. I've got yeah. an intense knowledge of physics and of chemistry. Not so much biology, it's all boring. It's just animals yeah, and yeah, yeah. and cells. Absolutely. Don't care about that. <laughs> but I do have a, a very, very strong interest, interest in... in physics and chemistry that I have I've taught myself over the space of ten years since leaving school. It's what I'm interested in. So when I watched that documentary and I heard him talking about Element 115, it immediately put my defences up. There's a lot mm. of Bob's story that I believe. I do not believe that Element 115 exists or that he has it. Yeah, I mean, so the, sorry the about whole... my rant. I just no, I have no, to get no. that it's, out there. It's a, it's a perfectly justified, and I think it's the biggest hole in the story. It, yeah, I, for I me, really, that is really do that is it's the biggest hole. The biggest you can hole talk in the story. You can talk about the fact he got indicted by the IRA you can talk about the fact that he may not have worked there or that he might not have been the you know he may have been a janitor and not this or yeah for me the biggest hole in the story is element 115 I would but, have to agree but what moves on from working with Barry and looking at the craft and working on the reverse engineering he goes and takes people out yeah to Nellis is it Nellis, is it Nellis? No, um... Nellis. he takes people to Papoose doesn't he yeah, there's a specific area where it's now cordoned off, but you, but you could access it publicly. Um, oh, it, it just escapes me at this moment. But basically, it's it's a vantage point out yeah. in the desert. And again... It's since been reclaimed, though, hasn't it, by the US it, government? It has. Yeah. But after what we've just been saying about the whole contradiction behind Element 115, Bob's got a test schedule, and he knows when these craft are being tested. Yeah. And he... He said, "When wait, because that's when the less traffic is, or something." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's less traffic. The visibility's good, and I believe it's it's John Lear that that he packs off into a. Um, I mean, Lear Lear's an interesting character at the best. And of that times. Robert Bungalow guy, wasn't it? Yeah, the property guy. Um, no, I didn't. And, I, is that his second name? Just I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Robert Bungalow. Because is it Bigelow? think it is no 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 the guy that comes with him is actually um it were actually a las vegas property developer but i cannot remember what his name is all right because i think that robert bungalow guy was on a joe rogan podcast yeah about um bob oh you're you're thinking of bigelow and he owned skinwalker ranch that's it yeah 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 that was a different time apparently bigelow bob bob did work for bigelow reportedly um bigelow were really really interested in his story and apparently um he did work with him, but but with a lot of Bigelow stuff, it's never it's never published or made public. No, and it's not um, a it's not a simple story either. No, not at all. It's, and he's definitely on cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, but I watched the entire. He's, Alleg- he's, allegedly, he's just <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, there sorry, is. Yeah. That is, it's that, that Tash. That Tash is a perfect coke broom. Um, <laughs> Don't let us get sued. He is allegedly. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I do not want to get bring it on by, bungalow by Robert by Robert Bungalow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I never said his name. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but they go out in this RV. Um, you know, they have a few beers. It just sounds like a boys out, and it's like like tonight we sat around with a few beers. You know, we t- we're talking Bob. Bob's out in an RV, and and he's got a test schedule, and and these things. Well, these things uh, inverted commas, um, but. There is something, undeniably, in the sky that's difficult to explain, and Bob seems to know. He did. He did. And he seems to know when it's flying. And like you do, you take your mates to see it. Now, obviously, (laughs) yeah, me too. Me too. Listen, 
we, we've got to do it one day. Grab an RV, field beers. Let, let's let's do it. Dartmouth. We'll camp outside Dartmouth. Um, we do. Me and James do actually have a plan to do something like that. Oh, soon. that that just that just be amazing. Um, it's just it's just going to be our screaming for two hours, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> all it's going to be. Our plan our plan is to go to a haunted house and do a ghost episode. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, we might, have, we might actually have to video that one. Paranormal call on camera style. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, he, <laughs> he has the I'd test schedule. Witch. <laughs> oh my god, it would be. Uh, he he has the test schedule, and pretty sure he gets picked up. Then they buy some military. Yeah, so he, I, I yeah. He said he was standing there, and then a green light <laughs> rolled towards him. Um, and it was the helmet. Could... Yeah, <laughs> it was the night. It was the night vision of the army soldier. And I'm yeah. there, like, come on, like. You know. No, mate. I, I mean, I've, I've got a friend of mine that I used to work with. His son was in the Marines, and they literally. Te- I was, I was asking him questions about. This was just a different topic about like, has he killed people in the jungle and stuff? And he said that they train the the Marines in the UK um, in jungle warfare that they can be three foot away from someone without them noticing. Yeah, three foot from someone. You, you Jesus. could be. Yeah, so you could just be stood in the jungle just with your AK forty seven. And less than half the the height of one of us, there could be a military commando just stood next to you, waiting to kill you. See, I'm so, like three foot wide. Good luck with that. <laughs> so I do believe that you know that that is in the realms of plausibility, at least. Well, there I, I are think, there are it, witnesses. There, there are witnesses. I think a lot of it is like I've said before. It's just that next level of sci-fi in it, yeah. like that almost deniability of being too far-fetched and yeah. just that slight tang of fiction um that's what i'm yeah, but i think with. but then like you the said thing is, those things that's get what leaked, hooks you in yeah, yeah. it is it's why the guy's so fascinating no like i said i i watched the stuff intently today despite the two-hour nap in between but like um <laughs> <laughs> I, I did watch it with like far intent and he is a very charismatic and you know, alluring guy to listen to. Um, but, you know, the some of the stuff he comes up with, like, you know, he spoke about there's no right angles, everything's smooth and all this. Um, when he draws it, he says that the, the gravitational wells were on rectangular platforms. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that sounds quite right angly to me, pal. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's those little things where if you're sticking to your story, whether you believe it or not, make sure that the little consistency there, you know, it's why I think he always uses the phrase like radical maneuvers. Cause that's quite a unique phrase to use. It's almost scripted. It's almost like he was told like a sound to bite. A, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like in court, like criminals always use the, you know, same phrases over and over again. Not, you know, not say the crime they did, but like, you know, I was done for aggravated assault. Not I beat up a dude. Yeah. Like, you know, he could have said like, Oh, they were spinning about the sky, but it's radical maneuvers all the time. You know, it seems that was a phrase he's, he was given to use. Yeah, and, and you know, I I think there's a big argument that that Bob is the kind of perfect patsy a little bit. I mean, mm. he, he's he's just he's just scientific enough for some to believe. He's just crazy enough to not believe. He's he's great for sticking a story out into the public eye. Almost almost the perfect guy for it, really. I mean, yeah. if, if disinformation is. Uh, a sprinkling of truth scattered with a whole load of lies. I, I think you've got Bob's story. I think that that's Bob. He could it's have a, been just a, he could 
it could have been a professional con man that was hired by the government to spread rumours about Area 51 to get funding to make it more secure. I, I think there's a million and one <laughs> reasons <laughs> why. <Bob's>. So, <laughs> I, think, I think a good idea, because that, like you say, Mike, that, that is the story of Bob Lazar. Like, that's his, his story from, like, the start to then him going on with George Knapp. So there's no point in, in covering the stuff since then, because really well, it's been talked about so many times yeah that- i mean he, he, the, the the upshot of it was he ends up basically on the run and, and scared for his life and and yes yeah. when he when he comes out publicly and it, his house was being bugged and his wife was cheating on him and there was there, there's a lot of like personal stuff yeah. but for me for me it doesn't it doesn't give any credence to the story because like his personal life doesn't affect the story yeah. for me yeah. Like it's just it's just a caveat. It's like I've got stuff going on in my personal life. Everyone does, but it doesn't affect like another aspect of your life. So it, yeah. you know, well, my personal fair, life I mean, doesn't the... affect how I support my football team or something. Yeah. So they're, they're, for yeah. me, they're two completely separate things. I, I did feel a bit sorry for him when when he learned through their bugging of his phone line that his his wife had been nailing the pilot. That must have been yeah. a pretty bitter pill. Maybe it was the Nimitz pilot. <laughs> yeah, Fravor in his early days. Um, <laughs> I, couldn't help, I couldn't help but think, like, he's like, oh, you know, they bugged him because they were about him blabbing, blabbing, and they did it. He did it anyway. Yeah, like they were, he was like, oh, actually, you're bugging my house. I'm going to tell my friends. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, they were and, right. They were right to be concerned. Yeah. Well, when, when, <laughs> he was like, desc- when he de- was describing like being being tailed along like the the highway, and and he's like, yeah, but it's it's fine. I had an AK forty seven in the boot. Rolls up into this car park outside this gym and and like just hops out and pulls out the AK forty seven in readiness for you know an assassination attempt that never came. But that's that's his story. It's just it's kind of like. It's nope. pure science fiction, but the thing is, is the reason that it's pure science fiction is because he is the basis of the science fiction. Yeah, like like we were talking about earlier, like he's the reason Area Fifty One's famous. He's the reason that Storm Area Fifty One with all those idiot kids happened a few years ago. He's the reason why Paul the film exists. He's like he is cool film by the way. He, it's a great film, but he is movie. he is that central point of Area Fifty One. Um, I think a really good thing to do now is like sort of digest it, sort of like a mini roundtable, um, and we'll all sort of like just in turn what we think of Bob. So I'll just start very quickly. I don't think he's a scientist. Um, he doesn't have a college degree. It, they're very easy to find a college degree. It, it's been proven time and time again that the names that he gave of his college professors were actually high school teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's just a bit of a grifter. If I'm honest, I think he's just a bit of a chancer. He's lied about a few credentials. He's got a job at a military tech, a military facility, off the back of a, a, a conversation he's had with quite an important person who he's sort of struck up a relationship with. He's in a bit of money problems. He's stressing out. He's paranoid already. He's working potentially. He's working on foreign tech, maybe not alien tech, but he's potentially working on some foreign tech or some strange technology. But I believe that he worked on. on UAP tech I genuinely do I don't believe a lot of his story I I don't believe as a person he's a decent person you know he was running brothels he was he loved guns he was money laundering he was borrowing off people he knew he couldn't pay back he's not a great guy but if the government wants someone 
to fall back on if they do leak stuff and say, well, the guy's a loose cannon. Like you said earlier, he's the perfect cannon fodder for that. So I think, personally, he was working on some pretty out-there tech. It may have been recovered parts of crashed vehicles. And I think that they told him enough truth to get the job done, but enough lies to discredit him. And I do think that there was a campaign by the US government to ridicule him, but I don't think he's helped himself. That's the way I'm going to put it. I think there's there's a lot that he should have been truthful about when he first came out about his story that he's tied himself to now, which is unfortunate. Um, that That's my thoughts. That there's stuff that he said when the story first broke that were clear lies that he has to stick to because if he admits that that's wrong, it could admit that the whole story is wrong. So I think he's he's rocking a hard place to himself in that sense for me. Um, James, what about yourself? Because we, we've not talked about this at all. This is the first I'm going to know about your opinion. It comes across like a bit of a con man, if I'm honest. Like, if there's easy ways to fake credentials, fake this, fake, you know. I, I, if there's proof he works there, if you want, fantastic. You know, I I personally haven't seen it, but I trust you guys to, you know. That, what, well, it, what it's seen. proof. It's not it's proof, proof specifically that he worked at Area Fifty One. It is proof that he worked for the um, Office of Naval Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they it's are just, stationed out of Area Fifty One. Yeah, whether it's blind luck that this stuff has come post, like him coming out, that you know gives credit to his stories. Um, a lot of the people that you know, especially on the um, podcast with the Crazy Eyes guys, and <laughs> Cornell, um, yeah. Yeah, George Knapp reminds me of an NPC from GTA. Um, <laughs> like, um, especially in the swimming pool thing and the documentary. Like, what a weird introduction to a character. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because I, I thought it was like a, a like a effect they put on his voice. I was like, no, they're just filming in a fucking swimming pool. Um, <laughs> um, Third bleep. <laughs> sorry. Um, but like... <laughs> Like I said, I didn't know much about him. He's a very charismatic man to the point where he's got a banging hot wife now. Um, and then, sorry, my Alexa's going off apparently. Um, That's all right. It's listening. not the Alexa going off. It's the feds. They're listening. <laughs> they're listening. <laughs> they abducted heard, you two weeks my, ago. My hernia's hurting again, Harry. Um, yeah, they abducted <laughs> you two weeks ago and they've implanted something in your hernia. Yeah. I just, from what he's released, it just it doesn't seem that new. Like all the stuff that he said, it just seems quite stolen in a way like you know all yeah. the old all the old year it's nothing that he released from working at s4 whatever is something that's mind-bogglingly amazing well i think I, it's oh i want to i want to sort of blow your mind a little bit because oh please that's one here the way the way that he describes these craft as moving is that they're they're sort of standard traditional ufo with the with the sort of like disc lay flat and the ball at the top and they raise up and then they tilt and turn and then move sort of like disc forward like that's how yeah. he describes they move well do you remember a few years ago the uh the navy released the pentagon released those three videos yeah and there's one yeah. specifically is it the gimbal? where the pilots to say the gimbal video where yeah. the pilot says it's rotating um, obviously, Mick West has debunked it, and it's obviously just a jet plane twenty we miles away. Because Mick. clearly, to this. clearly, F eighteen fighter pilots don't know how to identify a plane in the sky, do they? Yeah. Mick? But you, as a game developer on Tony Hawk Pro Skater two, obviously know how a FLIR camera works. At 30 they do know how to make good soundtracks, though. They know how to make great soundtracks, yeah. but they don't know how to operate mm. FLIR cameras at a professional level. No, fair enough. No, but. No. Here's the thing. The craft in the gimbal video moves 
almost exactly how Bob Lazar explained it. It with does, it does, mm. mm-hmm. and that that for me, like they're not directly a, linked. A lot of people it, have argued that point. Yeah, it it it's just it's a completely separate thread that happens to back him up, and it's, it's not a very something odd where he's coincidence, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's not yeah. something where he's like gone, hey, look here's this thing that I said happened. It's just happened elsewhere and people have put two and two together. They've listened to him in documentaries or they've watched him on TV or they've read his book and they've gone, hang on, that gimbal craft is rotating with no inertia almost exactly the uh, same Bob way Lazar as Bob said. And David Fravor has met Bob Lazar. They've met and they've had a conversation. Mm. And Chris Mellon, um, we'll do an episode probably on Chris Mellon, he was the former director of Homeland Security. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep, that is. I'm um, assuming he met David Ferber to speak about having an affair with his wife, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but Chris Mellon is very, very important for the UAP um, journey that we're going through. He is a former congressman and he is an active sort of like Pentagon employee, former Homeland Security director. And he said there are these craft. And, and he has had conversations about Bob Lazar, but he doesn't believe all of his story. But he's never outright denied it. I think, it's, I think it's quite dangerous for anybody in a senior position to, to even be associated with with. Bob. It is, you know, because then it, yeah, Lou, Lou would not have anything to do with the conversation, and you know for a fact that Lou Elizondo knows about Bob Lazar, and, and of yet course he denied he knowledge of the story in its entirety. Yeah, he said, "I've never even heard of that story yeah. before." Of yeah. course, you have, Lou. You yeah, were the like, you were the director of ATIP, but yeah. he's met David Fravor, and they've talked about the craft, and also the way that David Fravor described the craft as moving like a ping pong in a glass. So that there's similarities between some of the things that Bob has said in the past, between what we're now seeing come out. You look at the the Ukrainian footage that's been released recently, and that you know we're going to talk about that next week on the roundtable episode. But some yeah. of the stuff that's coming out of Ukraine also sort of backs up what it does, Bob's saying because yeah. he did say back in the 90s that they travelled in fleets and now we're seeing in Ukraine these things travelling in fleets and it like there's just there's always those little bloody breadcrumbs that's the thing James there's always these breadcrumbs that drag you back into Bob's story you can never yeah, escape it's... it you can't escape it no, no. Um, one thing that, that did sort of not um, you guys obviously see you know, know, know far more than me about this but he always talks about the the aircraft going belly up. Yeah, that's what I mean you know? by the 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 way it moves, I, I and that's tried, how that. I'm trying how to how think how that moves. logically makes sense. Basically, like why... uh, imagine pick. So imagine picking up a plate, and oh, oh, you mean why would it do that? Yeah, no, no. I get how there's like, like, yeah, all the um the gravitational well, yeah, yeah, the gravitational wells at the bottom of the craft, and then it it tilts itself so the the gravitational wells are pointing the direction it wants to go. Yeah, but why don't they just move the gravitational wells to the front of the ship? I mean, if we're to believe the story, it's alien tech. So I'm just, we, I'm just, we, I'm we just, trying just to, don't know that. Yeah, I'm trying to. I just don't know if you guys had a, an opinion or a thought of how um, logically that makes for sense. me. So for me personally, I don't think it makes a difference because if you okay, said to some, if you said to someone 200 years ago, "Oh, we've got these things, and they've got like long sticks that come off the side of them, and they're on wheels, and then if you get them really fast, they fly." But when they fly, sort of like the the wheels stop turning, and then you've got these like things, like big blades at the front that like spin around, and that's and they they spin around. But even though those things are spinning around at the front, it's actually like the big wingy things on the side that keep the ple- like the thing up. Like that wouldn't make sense, would it? 
Yeah. No, but then everything is aimed at the like automatically aimed in the direction of things going. Uh, helicopters aren't. <laughs> Describe a helicopter like, no, to someone three hundred like years ago. They go up, then you tilt the thing forward, but not completely on its belly. That's why. Yeah. I was just, yeah. Like I don't. No, know, I, I, get, I get where you're coming I just, from. I was just a bit like logically. I was there, like, I can't think of a way like. If the way he described it, the seats are sort of like sat around the gravitational well themselves. They're just facing up. Yeah. You know, space. yeah. Like it's like, mm. you know, like when the rockets launch into space, they're facing, they're lying um, horizontally, aren't they? So when yeah, they hit space, then, they level out. If, but then if you think about, um, if you're creating a gravity well, it's not you that's moving. That's the thing. Yeah. It's everything. It's space time. It's being pulled it, towards. Yeah, everything else is being pulled towards you because you are manipulating space time. So yeah. the, the way that you're facing, like the famous phrase is, there's no up in space. Like the only reason that we have a north is because we've attributed the way that magnetic rocks point as north. Yeah. So there is no up in space. And so yeah. if these things have come from somewhere else, um, possibly the disk could be used as a solar sail. So Amuamua was an object that came through our solar system a few years ago. Um, Dr. Avi Loeb, Harvard professor, thinks that it was an alien craft. He thinks that it was a very long sail, basically, and that the gamma rays coming from the sun would hit it, sort of like a wind, and would push it forward. And so maybe if they're traveling through space with these craft, and they're creating gravity wells, and it's facing a certain way, maybe if you slow down enough, maybe then solar waves would sort of or even gravity waves if you you know bob did speak mm. about gravity well, there's, waves there's been did, an argument yeah. with with that we would have noticed with the amount of gravity that we're talking that there would have been noticeable distortions because yeah. of the effect that that would have on on larger objects around so we, yeah so may, maybe it's sort know. of like tilts so it's like a sail pushing it because like yeah. that's how a, that's how a boat works isn't it you've got a big sail that mm. faces up and the wind put like that doesn't logically, in my mind, make sense. Suppose, you point and, the sail one way and it goes another. Like and until the wheel these things out and and say here, here it is. Yeah, we'll just never but say, know. yeah. I'd say I was just trying to think of the logistics and like yeah. how in my brain I was like, I, I don't get it. For me, there's no up in space, so it doesn't matter what way you're facing, no. and it could just be that that is then used as like a solar sail, just yeah. so that you could preserve some energy and and you just let sort of like the gamma rays do their do their business but yeah I, I get what you mean um it's a bit strange but then the gimbal craft moves in that way so in it's that sort way of like, yeah it gives 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 credit to it doesn't it it ties it back round. um yeah. so very skeptical james understandable i'm very skeptical uh mike what about yourself well, where do you, where do you I, I draw think, that line i think i'm probably perfectly aligning with what both of you have said with this the 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 big thing for me is is the academic credentials um or lack of um but i also think bob's got the opportunity at any second to prove that his entire story is true because all he has to do is bob into the back pull out the old tin fuller element 115 (laughs) Yeah. yeah and say case closed guys i win you know i the the whole Really, really cringy scene in the Corbell documentary where they're out in that wood as as if they've got to be in the middle of nowhere so that, that you know, these, these secret services... <laughs> oh, is that when like, turn your phone, yeah. so like, turn your phone off, turn your phone off. And, and then there's this, this like, flash forward and, and, and Bob's... Yeah. It's intimated that Bob has, has told him and, you know, it kind of ends and wraps up. And I'm like, Bob, 
just get the element one one five. See, that I don't know if either of you will get this reference, but what that bit of the film reminds me of. Did either of you watch that Mitchell and Webb look? Yes. No. So there is an end of show gag where That's a bad mess. Where where um where Webb comes in and he's like, I've got a really good sketch to do with this banana. <laughs> and David Mitchell's like, What do you mean you've got a good sketch? And Robert Webb's like, just I'll show you. It's really funny. <laughs> Let me just turn the camera on. And he walks up to the camera and turns it off because he doesn't realise it's still rolling. And then like five seconds later, he's really out of breath with a mouthful of bananas. <laughs> and then David Mitchell's just like, no, I don't really like it very much. And like, that's what that bit of the documentary reminded me of. I'll have to send oh, it. It's, it's so it's funny. It's so dreadful. That, that, and it, oh. just, it just reminded me of the banana sketch in that Mitchell and Webb look where he's just like, I've got this funny idea. Let me show you. And then, yeah, it just cuts to him with a mouthful of bananas panting f- frantically sweating <laughs> profusely in a uh, it's so ridiculous but there's that's the thing about bob's story is it's so ridiculous that i just i love it it's so um, bonkers and oh, out there yeah please don't let my cynicism come across as not being interested because i really am oh like, god okay, no, oh, no 100% you know, I, I, like, I think i think it's the natural reaction to bob's story if you've never heard it before yeah the, the thing is is that like I, I talked about it, it, it before. Entertain me. It entertain me. Like yeah, yeah it's that, an ent- that's, it's, that's what it is. It's such an entertaining story. And for me, even if it's it, maybe it's not all true. It's entertaining enough that it's getting people to want to look into the subject more. So yeah. even if there's a few little white lies in there, it's like it's intriguing enough for someone to be like, hmm, Area Fifty One. What's all that about? Oh, yeah, I, I think Bob's Ooh, a guy that, that pulls people into that story. He's Absolutely. a gateway drug to UFOs. He That's is. the way that I would explain him. Yeah. He's that he's that little like, oh, just have a taster. And then you have a taste and you're like, this is amazing. He is, he is. And it does not take long and much delving into Bob's story to realise that there are just ginormous... I should not say ginormous. I used to get told off for saying that because it's not a word. Um, no, it's fine. I like it. Ginormous. Thoughts. I'm going to say ginormous um, from now on. It's ginormous. It. Gin- I'm going to say ginormous. Yeah, you go. Vaginanormous. Gigantanormous. Giga gigantanormous hole. Um, <laughs> what, the, do, you know what, yeah. do you know what's so beautiful about the story as well? Go on YouTube, watch, watch a body language expert. Bob is convinced by his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bob is sold by his own story. Now, I can't decide whether that's narcissism because I can't... I, yeah, it's the mark of a sociopath. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, yeah, like, sociopaths won't yawn when you yawn because they don't feel um, empathy, you know? Yeah. So they're so convinced by their own lies or anything like this. To them, it's the truth. It's delusion. It I, is... I think in Bob's mind, Bob's story is the truth, whether that's yes. literal or not. Yes, I agree with that. Might Bob be a thing Bob. altogether, but Bob yeah. is sold on Bob. And another thing as well, kind of tying into the whole narcissism, sociopath thing, is for someone that does not like attention, he, he likes loves attention. attention. He, loves yeah. he loves it. Yeah. He's like, you oh, st- stop filming oh, me, guys, yeah. for this hit Netflix documentary. Stop yeah, that, it, during guys. That, during that Rogan yeah. podcast, he was there like, oh, why am I here? Oh, my migraine. But he's in like a completely lit studio. Well, I, I love <laughs> as well. One thing I know about migraines <laughs> is you can't be in light. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Joe Rogan's not exactly the person you want to be around with a migraine. Oh, God. No. He's just, he just trying to get him drunk all the time. <laughs> Joe um, Rogan is not the sort of person you want to be around while you're breathing. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just smells Sorry, like Spotify. protein powder and testosterone, doesn't he? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. 
I yeah. also couldn't I couldn't get over the fact that Bob Lazar looks like Stephen King. And that he really does. So many, I've thought that like, so was, many times. I was there like, he's one of the most credible story writers of our time. Like, <laughs> of course, well, it's I, I, yeah. Apparently yeah. on the on the Rogan podcast, it, there was this big deal made about the fact that he, he'd, um, he'd paid for his own plane ticket. A week later, he's selling hand-signed the shit drawings you will ever see in your life pardon my french of the okay, sport model yeah signed by bob lazar for 80 dollars a pop yeah and he's like, like i've never made money from punch, this but no, if you never. want to buy my autobiography i've, and I've watch got an the autobiography endorsed by george knapp i've got a documentary with mickey rock and i'm selling hand design here's, here's me presenting my own my own vhs in the 90s but i didn't make any money from it <laughs> yeah. while i'm like, sat like, in my literal mansion <laughs> I just with my like, hot like, wife yeah with a hot yeah he basically has yeah. money and it, like he just comes across as a bit smug and yeah like you said if he believes his own story that's great but it just comes across as he doesn't want to hear other theories or opinions yeah um, and he I, comes, it's almost like he's a victim of his own totally. story. Yeah. And that's like, definitely you know what, what that's wonder, a wonderful way of putting it. Put it. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'd love to, to be see honest, him debating a that, Gary Nolan. That is like as good a description as I think that anyone can say. Yeah, he is a victim perfect. of his own story. I think, I think that kind of wraps up Bob's story just so beautifully. To be well. honest, I think that wraps up the episode. I really enjoyed Absolutely. it. But mm. I. I feel like we would just be treading the same ground now. I think we, we're all in a, a healthy, sceptical point where we may or may not believe a lot of it. But more than anything, like, James, what I would say, James, is yeah. having... Clearly, you don't believe all of his story. You're very sceptical of him. You're very ambivalent of what's gone on. However, yeah. does it make you want to look into UFOs more? I mean, this yeah, this last month, yeah, of um, kind of, yeah, just scaringly filled, like Don't, I said, tiny. Does and... his story make you think, oh, that's actually really interesting stuff? Like, for me, no, that's I'd, all that matters. I just feel like he should have got a job on Independence Day 2. Probably would have been a bit of a better story. <laughs> Jesus, it um, might have made it a bit better. Wow. Um, <laughs> I just, but, but would you say just, that it, it, it's it's enough to, like, pique the curiosity of someone? Oh, God, like, like um, Mike said, it's a fantastic story. Like, there's yeah. no denying and. You know, I just feel like he he got the job at Area Fifty One, and he went, oh, you know, it's quite. It, it wasn't a secretive, but it's still quite like you know, like a you know, a secret organization almost. It's an army base. Let's make something of this. Yeah. Um. I feel like for me personally, that's what's happened. Is he took an inch and he made it a mile? Yeah. yeah he's narcissistic. Yeah. He's narcissistically gone. An element of the fantasist. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely. And then, he, like, because narcissism can come not later in life. It's not. It's something you can gain. So, like, people not realize they're narcissists. Something will happen. And then they realize I can take this. I can take this. All about me. It's all about yeah, me. And I think when yeah. you when you're that far into a story, it's very difficult to backtrack. Yeah, I, d- I just feel like you know he's always like you know shy away from the camera and all this sort of stuff. I'm like you. Fuck- love it mate sorry beep like you you <laughs> like you love don't this. Ever, by the he, way james don't ever feel like you don't have to swear because it's very oh easy no because this entire it. thing would have sound like a Nicki minaj like, like <laughs> song radio <laughs> um but like it just the two things i watched about it like the jeremy jeremy corbyn guy just came across as a bit fanatical a bit George yeah. Knapp came across as well. Like, don't I, watch I, the David Fravor Joe like, Rogan then because like, he's no. in that and he's but even for, worse. But yeah. for me, Jeremy Carbell, the worrying thing about him is he never blinks. 
doesn't. No, and I, during that Rogan podcast, he's like, I just want to cement the fact. Like, he had to always go back and reiterate what he said yeah. before to make it like, I was there, like, just stick to your point. The, the Wilson like, memo is real, guys. Like, I'm telling yeah, you it's was, real. Yeah. I'm telling yeah, you not, it's real. The it's definitely real. One. And they're like, yeah, but what are you talking about? No, it's, it's real, guys. <laughs> it's real. It's real. Yeah. And that's first, I couldn't get over the fact that he missed a bit of his haircut, and that really annoyed me. Uh, yeah. That, if you watch it again, there's a bit right on his like wow. crown that he forgot to shave, and it's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Obviously, they did not make <laughs> enough money from Bob. Yeah, cut cut the victim of his own story. Like, yeah. cut that. Get Bob knocking some more sketches out for everybody. So I think now that you've ruined any chance that I've got of ever getting Jeremy Corbell on the show, James, I think that's as oh, good if he wants to come place. on, get a fucking haircut. Yeah. Bye, bye. <laughs> Yeah, for our audio-only podcast. Yeah. I will tell. I won't yeah. be able to know. Jeremy, um, just well, in case you're listening, learn to lubricate your eyes, dude. We'll have you. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, feel free. If you learn how to blink in the next few weeks, let me know, and I'll yeah. gladly have you on. Um, Convince thank me, Corbin. You. Thank you very much, Mike, for coming on. Oh, I know guys, it's, yeah, it's truly, Mike. truly been my pleasure. We had some technical really difficulties has. to start with. Yeah, my we, microphone, we got past. We got my microphone past. broke yeah. as we don't started put, recording. Uh, don't put we on that one, Harry. No, I. I solely. <laughs> just me. But there is, an, I, there is an irony that we'll, we'll not go too far into. The fact that yeah. it, my, my mic's actually been pretty perfect. Yeah. And I'm the guy that's been messaging <laughs> you for the, like, the last three weeks. giving you Which, I am, which I am, by the way, extremely grateful for. And oh, I yeah. couldn't even get a microphone to work. So, yeah, no, it's... <laughs> It's been great to have you, Mike. No, uh, how can people find guys, you? It's uh, UAPs and Yorkshire Tea on, on Spotify um, and on Instagram. And fingers crossed, if I can be bothered to get my finger out a little bit more, on Facebook. Yeah, so, I mean, Facebook only works for us because I got loads of free advertising from it. Um, I, I wouldn't stress too much. I'd say the most no. important thing is just just do this. Just come on people's show. It's do you know really what, guys? It, it's, it's been amazing. I've really, really enjoyed it and, and yeah, it's just been Mike. great it's been to chill and, and hang it's out been good. guys and talk about what we love yeah we'll do exactly um that. we'll probably do a few more episodes like this based on individual people i know that we're going to do a luella zondo episode um we are definitely going to do a richard doty episode the oh snake. i would love i would love to come back for that one ah oh, the snake um we'll open we'll invitation like oh. yeah uh, no genuinely I open love, invitation for that episode um and really Thank you all for listening. If you are still sticking around, probably about the hour and 10 minute mark. So thank you all for listening. James, as always, it's great to terrify you with all this stuff. So thank you for coming with us. Uh, I'm dry. I'm dry. This episode is all good. That's all right. Well, um, next week, just to give people an idea, we are going to be doing our first round table episode. We are potentially going to be getting in a few guests to talk about sort of like the last month of news within UAPs. I've also got an idea where I'm going to get a few sightings from uh, Reddit uh, because I am notorious on the UFO subreddit. Um, Mike, are you on Reddit at all? I am indeed. Do you know the UFOs subreddit at all? Are you on that? Uh, I am not. So there's a, a it's R UFOs, so UFOs, mm -hmm. and it's the biggest UFO subreddit, and I am the top post of all time. I am checking that out. It Literally is, as speak. It's my claim to fame. I am the top post of all time on the main <laughs> UFO subreddit for debunking a guy who tried to convince other people that a light mast in fog was a UFO. I'm so, so we will I'm be going through so checking that out. We'll be going through some stuff on Reddit, we'll be going through some stuff in the news. There's been some big stuff happening in Ukraine, and I hope that you all tune in next week, next Friday, on your podcast platform of choice. 
and join us uh, for a, a little roundtable. And if you like that, we'll do a few more of them. So thank you very much, everybody, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>